It's a renewal of an old Big 8 showdown with Oklahoma Sooners, Kansas Jayhawks. It's the Locked On Crossover Edition on today's episode of Locked On Jayhawks and Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Podcast Network. It's crossover time with Locked On Jayhawks host Derek Johnson, myself, John Williams, and Josh Helmer of Locked On Sooners. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Derek. This is a very, very interesting Kansas Jayhawks team. We've seen what Lance Leipold has done with that program in just under two and a half years in Lawrence. What has made that transition so special for Kansas? And really, what's the trajectory for this team? Because it seems like year after year, they're continually improving under Lance Leipold. It just seems like every week there's a new stat of like, this is the first time they've done this in 15 years. It's just, I mean, they they were so downtrodden for a decade and a half, um, whether it was the win totals never surpassing three before Lance Leipold since Mark Mangino, or, you know, you'd look at some different individual stats or road wins and there's all these different things. And it has just been so night and day from the process of the program and how they approach things all the way to the game results themselves as we're seeing as a result of it on Saturday, everything is just so much more professional and well put together for the team. And uh, it's, it's been a lot more fun to cover, I think is a very easy way of saying it. And so, um, you know, I think the trajectory, I, I guess sky's kind of the limit, right? With Texas and Oklahoma leaving the conference, I think it leaves a void in the big 12 that, Who's going to be the school that steps up? Certainly, I would think like Utah is going to be the one that that comes in. I mean, TCU with their recruiting base, Oklahoma State just over the last, you know, whatever couple decades, Mike Gundy has just been such a consistent power. Kansas State's obviously been really good. Like there's going to be other still really good schools in the Big 12. But the sky's the limit from the standpoint of it. We've we've seen it. I mean, outside of Texas and Oklahoma this year, and even then, like you had close games last week for both of them that – it's kind of just wide open. Like uh, two weeks ago, I remember having the conversation, who's the third best team in the big 12. And you could have answered a lot of different things. So because of that kind of mush that's allowed in the big 12, I, I think there really is, you know, an opportunity for Kansas to emerge as a consistent, I wouldn't say power, but a consistent solid football program, a consistent solid football team. Um, and I'm going to flip one back on you that with Brent Venables, what have you seen? Why why is Oklahoma so much different? Why are they so much better this year after last season ending up with a losing record after the bowl game? Well, the number one thing for Oklahoma this year is they're actually playing a semblance of defense, which did not happen uh, a year ago for Oklahoma. There's obviously a number of different reasons for that. The, the personnel probably wasn't up to the Oklahoma standard. It's not, you know, in the the Lincoln-Riley decision to bolt for USC, honestly, Oklahoma didn't really get the the cupboard dashed a bunch on the defensive side of the football. There was a personnel loss or two, uh, but a lot of it was to the National Football League. And so for Oklahoma, it was probably you hadn't recruited well defensively for a number of years. And then a couple of guys leave for the NFL. Your head coach leaves. You've got all this turnover, new language, on and on and on. So – 
Long story short, it's much, much better defensively in a number of key categories this season. You, you look at uh, just one one statistic to look at for you. Oklahoma's number six right now in third down conversion percentage defense. I don't remember what that number was a year ago, but I can guarantee it wasn't anywhere close to the top 10 for, for OU. And scoring defense was really, really bad a season ago. So it's really – it started there, Derek, where they've made big-time jumps. Lance Leipold, you mentioned a couple of the bits and pieces about what he's been able to do. It's uh, it's kind of magical, the run that he's starting in Lawrence, and it's fun to see because we've waited so so long for competent football from the Jayhawks again, dating all the way back uh, to, obviously, as you mentioned, Mark Mangino. Why? Why now with Lance Leipold? Not that everything's fixed and the, the mission is accomplished, but why is this working now with Lance Leipold? I mean, I, I think part of it is just competence. Like you look at some of the past coaches and there were things that were going on that were just a mess, whether it was um, Charlie Weiss who kind of stripped down the roster. Like I, there was points in the middle 2010s where they were playing FCS teams. And, and obviously the difference between FCS and FBS, part of it's scholarships. Like FCS teams, I think it's like 63 or something like that scholarships. FBS teams get 85. Uh, there were years where they would go in and there'd be stories written that Kansas is actually playing with less scholarship players than the FCS team because Charlie Weiss took a bunch of risk on Juco guys that end up leaving the program and it hurt their scholarship numbers. Um, so some of that stuff's different. They finally kind of buoyed out like the less miles thing didn't totally work, but he did at least raise some of the talent of the roster. I think the transfer portal has helped. They've approached it very well. And I think some of the new rules about the scholarship stuff that you can just get up flush with 85 as opposed to having to take you know, a maximum of 25 a year. I think that has helped Kansas over the course of this. The development has helped. They haven't had great developmental coaches over the last, you know, whatever amount of years. And it's just, it's the staff continuity. I mean, they went in from last year to this year. They didn't lose a single position coach or coordinator. And you go back to like Earl Bostic, who was the starting left tackle last season. He had six position coaches over the course of his time at Kansas. And now they're having so much more continuity. So it, it's just night and day in like everything from the procedural stuff to the continuity of the coaches to everybody being on the same page. Whenever a kid commits, you'll hear like, yeah, every coach I talk to, they we talked to them in different settings and they all like echoed the same message. Everybody's on the same page. And I think you kind of see that um, overall from the team. Now, John, uh, Dylan Gabriel, I, I think is having an unbelievable year. Are, are you buying in? Can he win the Heisman this season? And, and how much do you think this final push of the year is going to impact that? I mean, the final push is going to make the all the difference because he's a player that's come into the season with maybe an underrated reputation. He's not going to get the same national respect that Michael Penix, that Bo Nix, that J.J. McCarthy are going to get on the Heisman Trail. I mean, you look at just pro football focus. They released their top five. Uh, I can't remember. It was Max somebody or some rather. I, I forgot the name. Chadwick, maybe. And he had his top five. And Dylan Gabriel wasn't in the top five. He had Shadur Sanders still in the top five of his Heisman voting. And it just goes to show that. And yes, yeah, Shadur is a great player. But with what Colorado's done this year, he's not going to sniff the Heisman Dylan Gabriel still has a shot, but he's going to have to lead a team that wins out and wins the big 12 title. They're not going to be able to get enough play, get enough traction with the national media, the national voters, unless he goes and beats Texas again in the big 12 title game, assuming they're able to make it, but they got to run the table. He's got to continue to put together really, really good, good games for the rest of the season to raise his profile because he just isn't getting the same respect that, uh, that some of these other quarterbacks have. And, and I think some of it is 
due to last year. He was very up and down a year ago, even when he was, you know, good in games, you know, the defense wasn't necessarily good. And then you say you have the game like West Virginia, where he wasn't very good and they lost that game a lot because they couldn't overcome the elements, which could play a factor this Saturday in Lawrence, but he still has a lot of respect to build up within the national, you know, voters. And he has to build that profile and the rest of the season is going to be huge. Every single game, he cannot have a bad game and expect to keep himself in that top six, seven in the Heisman race. Quarterback has been a big topic of discussion with the Kansas Jayhawks all season long. We're going to talk more about that here after the break. Now it's time for our game changer of the week. And who's it going to be? Is it going to be Rock Chalk Jayhawk? Is it going to be Boomer Sooner? We're going to find out uh, in short order. The game changer of the week brought to us by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like, oh, I don't know, Jason Bean, who will discuss in just a moment much like dylan gabriel who we've chatted a little bit about athletic brewing they have completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game why is that well that's because they make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good and as i like to say the best part about it no hangovers ever so you don't have to feel like you're missing out at the party but uh, you also don't have to go home with the uh, the hangover the next day either so their brews they're great tasting they're award-winning and oh by the way they brew all sorts of different styles of craft non-alcoholic beer including ipas golden sours so whatever your flavor they've got it first-time customers use our code locked on to get 15 percent off your first online order that's locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. And if you're looking for last minute tickets, there's no better place to go than Game Time. Download the Game Time app in your app store, your Google Play store. I know that you're like me and you do not like the process of looking for last minute tickets. You're either having to deal with somebody shady out on the corner and you're not sure you're getting a good deal or you're not sure exactly where you're going to be sitting because the, the ticket site that you're looking at, it doesn't give you that perspective. Well, you go in the game time app and that shows you exactly what you're going to be looking at. If you're looking for concert tickets, game day tickets, OU Kansas, or you're looking for the, the Oklahoma City Thunder who are now getting going as well, you can get the best deals over at game time. Again, the best last minute rates, the best prices. And again, I love that feature that lets me look at exactly what I'm going to be looking at. No, no worries about obstruction. No worries about, okay, I'm not getting the best angle of the game. I can get the best view because I went to the game time app. So go to your app store, download the game time app, use promo code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase over at game time. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on college. That's L O C K E D O N C O L L E G for E G E for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And we are still here on the Locked On Network with Locked On Crossover. We got Derek Johnson of Locked On Jayhawks, myself, and Josh Helmer of Locked On Sooners. And Derek, the quarterback position has been the biggest topic of discussion for the Jayhawks because Jalen Daniels was one of those guys coming into the season that could potentially be a dark horse candidate for the Heisman. His back issues have kept him in and out of the lineup, kept him limited, and it looks like have him doubtful, according to Pete Thamel's report today. Jason Bean's going to start the Kansas Jayhawks really. I mean, they haven't really missed a beat 
he's been really good. And Josh and I were talking about him on the show yesterday on Locked On Sooners. And I said he could probably start for 100 FBS teams. And I might be overselling that, but I mean, he could start for a good majority of FBS teams. So what are we going to expect out of Jason Bean this week? And why is it that Jalen Daniels has had such a hard time staying healthy? I don't know what it is with Jalen. It's each and every year. And he uh, officially will have not started and finished a OU game yet through his career. You go back to his true freshman season when he was a 17-year-old. Uh, he gets knocked out of the game against uh, that was a game the Sooners had like nine sacks. Uh, then two years ago, it was just Jason Bean as a starter. Last year, he was uh, injured beforehand with the TCU game. And then this year, obviously, assuming that he doesn't play, then that'll be the case once again. You know, it's funny because uh, Jalen Daniels is almost spoiled Kansas fans. Jason Bean would be the best quarterback Kansas has had since Todd Reesing. But because you see Jalen Daniels, and you're like, oh, this is the Big 12 you know, preseason offensive player of the year. This guy's awesome. When Jason Bean comes in there, it has become a bit of a divisive you know, conversation here locally because if you view it from the lens of this guy's your backup quarterback, yeah, you could argue he's the best backup quarterback in the country. You could argue that you know he's still a upper half quarterback. Is he even a top five quarterback in the Big 12? I, I don't know. I think he's like seventh in total QBR right now in the Big 12 if he were qualified. I think last year he would have finished in the top five. So it's funny, but you notice some of the differences when, when you see the two of them. Jalen's a little bit better at reading the option. He's a bit of a tougher runner. Jason Bean doesn't like to get hit as much. And, you know, Jason Bean does throw maybe a better deep ball, but he's not as good at processing the short stuff. So you notice that. But overall, he has been good enough for you to win games. It's just you have to do other things around him a little bit better. So, like, you go back to the UCF game a couple of weeks ago in which Kansas won by 30 points. They ran for almost 400 yards. The defense played probably their best game of the season. They tackled really well. Special teams played well. You had a punt return touchdown and a near kick return touchdown. But then you go back to last week. You lose or two weeks ago with, with their last game to Oklahoma State. And you lose the game by seven. And yes, Jason Bean had 400 yards and five touchdowns. That was great. He also had two key interceptions. That wasn't great. But the difference was you had under 100 rushing yards. Your defense struggled. Your defense struggled to tackle the ball. You had a couple missed PATs. The special team struggled. So like he is good enough for you to win games. It's just about how the other guys kind of pick up around him. From from I'm, I'm curious from your guys' perspective. And Josh, I'll, I'll ask you this one for you. Because you have seen Jason Bean the last two years. Obviously, there was the game, you know, two years ago in Lawrence, the power goes out in the first quarter, um, they're playing a low possession game, and OU comes away in the end with the Caleb Williams play that, that kind of wins it for him there in the end. Last year, Jason Bean helps KU put up 42 points, but the OU offense puts up even more than that. What has been kind of your assessment of, I guess, the quarterback battle here between Dylan Gabriel and Jason Bean? Well, I, I think that probably most on the Oklahoma side do feel like they have an advantage at the quarterback position, but you say that with the understanding that there's a ton of respect for Jason Bean. And, I mean, again, everything that you just laid out there, Oklahoma fans saw it a year ago when he put a 40-burger on you. So he's he's really, really good in terms of backup quarterbacks. Again, uh, you know, outside of a five-star quarterback here or there, that down the road, maybe we say, okay, is uh, was the best backup in college football, but we didn't really see him, right? Uh, yeah, Bean's got to be at the, the front of that list. So I think he's really, really talented. I like him a lot. He's fully capable, I think, of beating Oklahoma this weekend if some things don't go right for OU. So you got to be on guard. Again, it, it's a couple of uh, really good quarterbacks. The offense for Kansas, uh, you know, Bean – Obviously going to be uh, the, the trigger man for this deal, but Neil at running back, uh, some of the weapons, and then the offensive coordinator, Kotelnicki. Well, what, what is the magic there? It seems like this guy, I mean, the last two years, you guys are putting up big-time numbers. 
and uh, it's just something we haven't seen at KU for for a long time. So why has he been so successful with this offense? I mean, he's he's just a mad scientist. He'll do a bunch of crazy formations and plays. It's it's super fun to watch and a lot of motions, free play stuff. They don't run high tempo. It's it's opposite of OU from that standpoint, but really efficient offense. They've got good skill players to make it work. Obviously, the quarterbacks, but you know, Devin Neal, I think he's a, an NFL running back as soon as next year. He's he's got unbelievable vision and cutting ability. Daniel Highshaw is originally from Oklahoma and uh, he's a powerful running back. Uh the receivers you know, there's not really that one guy. There's not that like one guy like a Marvin Mims last year or Luther Burden or Marvin Harrison this year, but they're, they're just solid overall. I think they're top 10 right now in pro football focus and receiving grade overall as a unit. Last year, they finished top five, so they get it done. It's a really good tight end group. Offensive line's been really solid. It's just a lot of good players coming together with an offensive coordinator who's super creative. And I, I do think it'll be interesting to, to see how he approaches this game because, you know, Last year, I think Kansas tried to get into a bit of a race with Oklahoma and, and play them up and down. You know, they ran pretty well, but they didn't run a ton. Uh, they had some success scoring 42 points, but I think it hurt them a bit in complimentary football. I think it might have hurt the defense. Maybe it would be more beneficial to play more like two years ago when they did try to play more possession football. And from that standpoint, um, John, with, you know, with the way Oklahoma likes to get up tempo, with, with the way Jeff Levy likes to play, is there a way, have you seen games or, or some way of slowing down this Oklahoma offense, like not just slowing down from keeping the points and stuff down, but literally slowing them down? Is there anything that kind of keeps them from going, you know, 100% all the time? Well, the inability to get first downs, if they're, you know, slowed down by poor execution, really they've, they've hurt themselves in a lot of ways, whether it's a drop pass or just a, a missed blocking assignment. The run game hasn't been super effective this year. It, it's had moments uh, like we saw against UCF. It was really good in the fourth quarter, but overall it's just been kind of average and maybe below average to Oklahoma standards. It's not been very good. And that's kind of limited them at times. And, you know, they've had some areas where they've had slumps, you know, the third quarter against UCF. They went interception, punt, punt, punt on their first four drives of the second half. And that nearly cost them the game. And again, it comes down a lot of times just to the execution. One thing that we've noticed is that big physical corners have given this wide receiver group a little bit of trouble. And I don't think that's shocking necessarily. I think most wide receivers will have a little bit of trouble if a, if a defensive backfield comes at them with you know, more aggression, more physicality. It's going to knock some of the timing things off. And that's very much what Oklahoma's passing offense is predicated on is a lot of timing, a lot of, uh, you know, everybody being in the right spot, right time. So that Dylan Gabriel can get the ball out quickly. Well, if you're jamming them up at the line of scrimmage, it's going to slow down that timing effort. And so we'll see, I mean, the, the potential for, you know, inclement weather this week, how much is that going to affect the passing game? You know, it, it could potentially be a big time, you know, like slow the game down. Let's run the football. A lot of, you know, wide receiver screen stuff. I'm projecting a lot of behind or at the line of scrimmage stuff for Oklahoma offensively, just so they're not trying to necessarily have to throw the ball down the field with a wet ball in maybe heavy winds. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But I mean, a lot of times if Oklahoma is not, executing at the, at the way that they're able to, then it's because either the defense is getting really, really physical with them and challenging them at the line of scrimmage, or it's just poor execution on their part. We got keys to the game coming up and maybe we'll, we'll drop some predictions for this OU Kansas game. We got Oklahoma still favored by about 10 over at FanDuel, but it's going to be a tight one. We'll talk more about all of that here after the break. 
All right, we are brought to you by Prize Picks here. You can test your skills with Prize Picks this football season in the most exciting way to get all your daily fantasy sports action. If you have the skills, you can turn just $10 into $250 with just a few taps. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, you submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. You can pick two, you can pick up the six, you get different odds for the different stuff. Uh, If you're looking for something to pick from maybe this game, I don't know. I'm probably not the OU expert to pick, but from the KU side of things, I think OU might be able to score a little bit. Jason Bean might have to keep up passing the ball. You can get his more or less at 209 and a half. I think Mason Fairchild could have a really big game. He had over 100 on OU last year. He's coming off his best game of the season against Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago. His over or more or less is only 37 and a half. So you can uh, use some of those and, and fill out whatever you want with prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college with code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It's that time keys to the game. It's going to be a fun one, man. And honestly, I'm I'm one of the rare Oklahoma people that enjoyed being part of the Big 12. And so I'm a little bit sad to see some of this go, especially with the old Big 8 connections that that we have with Kansas and Kansas State and, and Oklahoma State. But who knows when the next time these two teams will meet up on the football field. So I, I'm going to enjoy this one, however it goes down. Uh, but Josh, let's start with you here. What's one of your biggest keys to the game for this matchup? Well, you could say it every week. I'll give you, I think, the two biggest keys to the game, okay? And you could say this. It's the, as we like to visit, Derek, the Helmer book of cliches, okay? But uh, here's your book of cliches for this week. I don't think Kansas can win this game if they don't win the turnover battle. I do think uh, I do think Oklahoma's the more talented team. So it starts there. Oklahoma's going to have to cough a couple up, whether that's, uh, you know, tipped ball, interception, uh, fumble, wet football, uh, punch the football out a couple of times. KU's got to find a way to create a couple of extra possessions and take a couple of scores off the board for Oklahoma. And then I think for both, just given the way that the conditions appear that they might be, that it could be that typical cold autumn wind chill kind of Lawrence day where it's gusting a little bit. It lends itself to who's going to be able to run the football better. So I think for both teams, that's the the big key. Obviously, Neil, I think, is a, a star running back for Kansas, so he's fully capable of testing Oklahoma's defense. And OU's not been uh, very reliable in, in the run game so far. So those, those to me, are the big keys, John. Derek, uh, what about what about for you? What's uh, a couple of things you're watching in this game? I'm glad you brought up the turnovers because I always feel silly bringing it up because it's like, well, of course, if you win the turnover battle, it's helpful. But like Kansas is plus five in turnovers at home. They're minus three on the road. They've been so much better at home with the turnovers for whatever reason. Oh, you only has five, I think, this year offensively. So, yeah, they, they have to. I agree with you. They have to win the turnover battle if they want to you know, pull an upset in this game. Uh, beyond that, the, the two other things that stand to mind, it's it's just the running game. I mean, like you said, OU hasn't really totally got going. I think they're 10th in the Big 12 in rushing yards per attempt. Well, Kansas has given up over 200 rushing yards all three of their Big 12 games so far. Uh, Eric Gray ran all over them a season ago. You have to be able to prevent the big plays in the running game. Try to make Dylan Gabriel a little more one-dimensional in this game. Um, they have struggled a bit with screen passes and, and defending mobile quarterbacks, so we'll see how that goes. But if you can at least make them a little more one-dimensional to be helpful. The other one there is just can the defensive line win? 
without blitzing. So far, the defensive line's been pretty good for Kansas. They brought in a couple transfers from Minnesota, Colorado State. Austin Booker has been one of the best pass rushers in the Big 12. Kansas is actually second right now in the Big 12 in sacks at the moment, only one behind Iowa State. I think I was looking at a pro football focus in Oklahoma's pass blocking grade. I was a little surprised it was only 60th in the country. So if, if Kansas can get after the quarterback without having to send extra numbers, can keep those guys back in coverage against you know the litany of receivers with the way that, that the ball's been distributed so far for OU, I think that's a way that they can uh, make this thing a little bit interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm a big pro football focus guy. I really love pro football focus, but I was also surprised when I saw that grade with their pass blocking because they've been really good. Uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel's also been a big part of that. He's been really good maneuvering the pocket. So anyway, that's just an aside. For me, it does come down to the pass rush. Can Oklahoma get to Jason Bean? Can they keep contained? They've been a very disciplined rush team and Oklahoma has done a good job getting to the quarterback, whether it's getting sacks or even just creating effective pressure. Can they do that and then get Jason Bean off his spot, make him make some off-platform throws that may turn out to be in Oklahoma's favor? But before you go, before you get to that point, you're going to have to stop the run. You got to stop Devin Neal. You got to stop, you know, Highshaw. This is going to be the biggest key for Oklahoma. Get Kansas into second and third and long situations, and then send guys Ethan Downs, who's leading the Oklahoma Sooners in sacks. Send R. Mason Thomas, who's coming on strong now. Now that he's a little bit more healthy, and get after Jason Bean, and then hopefully force him into making some some poor decisions, some poor throws. So it's it's going to be a really, really good game, I think. I, I feel like Kansas has got some some strengths in here that are going to challenge Oklahoma's defense in particular. The running game is is one of those, but also just the you don't have one number one guy to attack in, in the passing game. It's a lot of guys playing good team offense. So if Oklahoma sleeps on anybody, they could hit him for a big play. Kansas is one of the best offenses in the country for a reason. So Oklahoma can't come into this one defensively sleeping on anybody. It could be the fifth wide receiver out there making plays on them if they're not careful. So prediction time. Should we get into a little prediction time? Uh, Josh, you want to go first? Lay us uh, lay down your OU Kansas prediction. Yeah, I think Oklahoma is going to win the game, but uh, I expect Oklahoma to get stressed in this one. Uh, I do uh, like Oklahoma defensively to perform a little bit better against Kansas than than maybe most have. So I think I'm going to take Oklahoma 37-24, but uh, I, I like a, lot, a late score from Oklahoma to make that. I think Oklahoma in the final time, maybe uh, hopefully not in our lifetime, but uh, if final time for some time in our lifetime for sure that Oklahoma and Kansas meet up on the gridiron. I think KU is going to make them earn it. It's going to be a stressful win, but they're going to find a way to get it 37, 24. Yeah, and Derek. I'm gonna. I yeah. Originally, I was I was gonna take like forty five to twenty four Oklahoma, but because of some of your guys' concerns about some of the weather stuff, that's making me kind of rethink. Like maybe is Oklahoma gonna be a little lower? So I, I'm gonna say a little lower scoring game. I'll go thirty four twenty. A game that Kansas kind of hangs around, but you know it's it's Oklahoma's game to win over the last ten minutes or so of the competition. I I think as much as the KU offense has been really good. I worry about how they're going to slow down the OU offense. And I, I think defensively, the fact that OU is not giving up more than 30 points in a game, and that was to Texas, who we saw give KU all sorts of problems on, on that end of the field, I, I think speaks very highly to what Brent Venables and, and they're doing. So uh, I'm going to take 34-20 Sooners. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. I think you know this is going to be one of those games that for three quarters at least, this stays interesting. 
but Oklahoma has been really, really good in crunch time when it's come down to having to make a play to go win the game, whether it's SMU or Texas or Cincinnati or UCF, they've done that. And I, I think that's just what happens. Oklahoma again, pulls away in the fourth quarter, but it is one of those games that stays again. Very interesting throughout. I do think Devin Neal finds some success on the ground against Oklahoma's defense, even if it's just one big run that uh, sets up a Kansas score. But ultimately, I think Dylan Gabriel has a very efficient day, even if it's not a big passing yardage day. I think, again, he comes through and has a really, really nice day for the Sooners, and the the defense shows up and plays a really, really solid game after maybe having a little bit of a letdown against UCF. It it comes back, and, and Oklahoma wins. I'm going to say 38 to 23. We'll go with that one. That sounds interesting, but that's going to do it for this edition of the locked on Jayhawks and locked on Sooners here on the locked on podcast network. Make sure you follow Derek on Twitter at D Johnson radio. Also, Hey, if you want to find more Kansas Jayhawks content, go do it. Subscribe to his show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when his episodes drop. It's almost basketball season, so I know Derek's getting really excited for some KU ball at the fog. Also, follow myself and Josh. Josh is on Twitter at Josh on Ref. I'm at John Nine Williams. Subscribe to Locked On Sooners wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on every platform as well and on YouTube. Maybe a little less excited for basketball season. We're going to enjoy football season for as long as we've got it. Uh, but that's going to do it. Thanks to Derek. Thanks to Josh. I'm John Williams. Talk to you next time and enjoy your Saturday football watching fun.